0: Okay, how much do you know about boats, Jordan?
1: Oh, I would do tacos. Have you ever oh. been on a
2: boat? I have.
0: One time, twice, three times, I don't know. Damn! How many times have I been on? Well, brag. Oh, okay. What kind of boat are we talking about? Yeah, what kind of boat? I've been on river boats. I've been on like little boats.
2: She's been on a canoe.
0: I've been on a canoe, Yep. Yeah. I- I've been on a- Wait, Have you
2: actually been on a canoe? Yeah. That was a guess on my yeah. part. Yeah,
0: I got stuck in, in a canoe at camp one time for a little while. We couldn't figure out how to canoe back to shore.
2: Did you have paddles? Yeah. Cool. But one
0: girl was how. one girl was freaking out and then the rest of us there were two there were three of us. One girl was started crying because she was like, We're lost. <laughs> you can see the shore over there. <laughs> Me and the other girl were like, We don't know how to make this thing work. We were really good Girl Scouts. How
2: young were you?
0: I was probably in second grade.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> all right. Okay. That makes more sense about like not knowing the basics to... about <laughs> <laughs> it.
1: Feel like I should have been an adult there or something.
0: Yeah, I don't know what happened. Okay. I don't know what happened? Um, but yeah, I've been in that boat. I've been on a couple of river boats and, in in uh, Mississippi and New Orleans, and mm-hmm. I've been on uh, fishing boats and and one cruise ship.
2: Mm-hmm. And okay.
0: One of those like boats that take out to the ocean and are you know they're like look at all the ocean things and you come back. Okay. you speed, know speed boat i don't
2: know no what i think that? it's pretty much a look at all the ocean stuff boat <laughs> mm-hmm. that's you know that that whole subsection of tourism where they're like hey get out here on the ocean look at it all right let's go back just <laughs> see it
0: I've it's out there. there we went on one of those when we were down at donna
2: the joe's crab shack party boat
0: yeah that boat i've been on a couple of those i have pictures of myself on that one, one was not kid.
2: about seeing the ocean <laughs> that one was about like we're gonna go real fast oh and turn oh everybody got sprayed with water <laughs> Now let's play uh, Smash Mouth All-Star again. No, my least
1: favorite song. Oh, I hate it so much. Uh,
0: what are we talking about? I uh, boats,
1: I think. And tacos. We didn't talk much about tacos at all. Well, but we
2: got real sidetracked <laughs> you know, on our depth of boat knowledge. If we
1: talk about tacos and boats all day, we'll never do a
2: podcast. Yeah, Megan, sure. you should introduce us.
0: Okay, you're right.
2: But wait, 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 real quick, real quick, before we get started. Okay. Um, we, as you know, here here at Experience Pointers, we have a sponsor. Oh, yeah! And the sponsor of our show is Ben Danish. Thank you very much, Ben Danish, for your continued patronage. And Ben Danish has given us a pun of the sode for today. I'm ready. All right, so, this is our pun of the sode from Ben Danish. Okay. Now, this one, I will say, this one works a little bit better when it's red. So, after I say it, I will spell it. Don't worry about it. All right. What do you call a group of guys no one is allowed to see? Uh, what do you call a group of guys no one is allowed to see? You guys, is C S E A? Nope. What's nope. the spelling part of this? The, all the spelling is good so far. Oh uh, wait, so far.
1: Okay, all right. A group of guys no one can see. No one is allowed to see.
2: Invisidudes. Oh. No, but I, I like that. That's not so much a pun as it is just a fun portmanteau. <laughs> um, but I like Invisidudes, and right. I very much want to make that a thing somehow. <laughs> I, I got nothing. A band of men. And band is spelled B A N N E D. Uh, a band oh, of They've man. been
0: banned. Oh, okay. A band of men. That's a tricky one. I went a different direction. But
2: I think the correct answer is actually Invisidudes. It's Invisidudes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Ben it's Danish, I'm very sorry, um, but we have decided that the real answer is Invisidudes. So, uh, <laughs> that was Ben Danish's Pun of the so! thank you. Thank you, Ben. All right.
0: Hi, everybody. We, here at Experience Pointers, are a trio of gamers and, and GMs. And uh, we're here to talk a little bit about some RPG things and some GM tips that hopefully you can use in your games. I'm Megan.
2: I'm Grav, And I'm Jordan.
0: And today we're actually going to talk about tools that we really like to use. And we've kind of gone through and discussed a little bit of this. It's kind of interesting, um, I don't know, to kind of see what other GMs like to use and, and what other GMs like to focus on and what's helpful for one and isn't for the other.
2: Yeah, like I, I feel like over the course of running a bunch of games, I have uh, like taken in uh, things that I've seen other people use, uh, or things I've read about online, or like in some of the like RPG books they give you examples of things you can use, and I've sort of like tossed out the ones that don't work for me, and figured out ways to make other of them work, work in a way that I understand and flows with my game. So mm-hmm. yeah, these are just like some different gaming aids that we all enjoy and have personally used. Mm-hmm. um that we would like to discuss
0: well it's kind of interesting still being a very very new gm uh sort of like what you're saying to to talk to other gms you go okay well, what do i need to to make this work and you try and you're like well this doesn't work for me you know you're really yeah. trying to figure out your yeah. own your own thing um but one of the things uh that i want to talk about that i really like uh, that i happened upon the very first game i ever gm which was the magic and mischief harry potter game uh, and it is a, a an online generator. I really actually like to use online generators in general. There's a really great one that I've used for the Harry Potter games I've done. Um, that is a, a British name generator. That's specifically Harry Potter... Um, because the names like Snape and stuff will come up, but they're like, they're just great names. They're fantastic. I really like they They're very
2: silly names. In fact, when we played in your game, I think we all used names that were generated yeah, by that generator. We did. Because uh, yeah. our names were, your name specifically, grew up was really weird, and sort of I can't remember what it was. It was very weird, and yeah. Because we were like, you have to be that character just so we can just make fun of your name the whole yeah, time. Yeah, and that did happen. And I wish I could remember what it was. I really wish we hadn't lost that I audio. Oh. I know.
0: Well, I'll, I'll pull up that generator and we can get a few names here in a second, but... Um, but the first one that I have, which I also used in that first game, is this mythical beast generator. And I love this it, thing. <laughs> this thing is impressive. So so I'm going to generate a new beast here, and I'll tell you what it says. So first of all, it creates a uh, picture, which is great. This one is call, uh, called Panfain, an animal with the head of a bat, the body of a flea, and the tail of a dog. And it gives you this picture as well. I know. Don't think too hard on that. Weird origin it gives you the origin it says it was first observed in the fourth century as an old wives tale what does that mean i don't know attributes it can do magic only once a year its tail <laughs> its tail is strong enough to overwhelm a human its call resembles wind chimes Aww. nature the creature is typically absent-minded no one has seen one and lived to tell to tell about it
1: <laughs> oh jeez.
0: it spends its days scheming it yearns to travel the world Diet. Panfans typically eat snakes and popcorn. (laughs) Hunting grounds can be found in the beaches of North America. Huh.
2: (laughs) Of course. North America specifically. Nice. Right. Very
0: specific. Yeah. So,
2: Are those the wind chimes from a nearby beach house?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Look out for its overwhelming tail.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Uh, Yeah, so I really, really like this. And what's cool, and I think I did this when I I used it in my game, is I I used some of the aspects of it. Clearly, it lends itself to goofiness. Sure. But it's just... I, I, even if you don't use the actual beast, mm-hmm. it creates it can. It just gives you so many ideas so yeah.
1: quickly. It's a good jumping off point for creating your own. Yes, just exactly. pick the best parts of the thing and then make up the rest.
2: And some of them, exactly. are, like I, from what I recall when we messed around with this before, some of them are silly, but some of them, like when it lines up perfectly, turn into yeah. these like really kind of like startlingly beautiful ideas yeah. for a yes. uh, for a creature.
1: You can probably do a whole adventure just based on that creature
2: you. Yeah. Found.
0: Yes. And then the, here, here's an example. This is Chronicles of Peter Potter in Wonderland Name Generator the, is the Harry Potter name generator. Peter Potter, huh? Yeah. Yes. And you can select male, female, or anything. Uh, so I'll select anything here. We'll see what comes up. So the first name is Cecile Platt, which isn't that crazy. Here's Esther Rackharrow. Har- Elliot Gamble. Olivia Cleary. It's pretty good. Hecuba Dolahov.
1: Hecuba. Yeah, that's very Harry Pottery. Yeah.
0: Like. Gabriela Maddock. Clotho Blagdon.
2: Yep, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it would be Clotho. Clotho,
0: Clotho Blagdon. Marigold Knobs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one's good. Gaurav liked that one.
0: <laughs> Ragmar Butler. Oh, Ragmar Butler. I like that one too. Anyway, I've come up, like, just so many, so many great uh, names from that they're great
2: yeah i use uh on wild cards i use a uh for for deadlands i use an 18 late 1800s name generator that actually (laughs) draws on census data from that time period to Mm -hmm. create first last name uh characters and uh it's pretty awesome i've had some really cool names and as a result, characters come yeah. out like the Like Duff Bullet. Like Duff Bullet. Yes.
0: Well, actually, you, you reminded me. There is one generator, and maybe it's this one. I don't know that you are using, but I'll have to find the website. Because it is literally a website of generators. It has over, like, hundreds of different kinds of generators. Everything you can imagine has names, specific kinds of names, like mm-hmm. British names, American names, uh, you know, uh, mythical names. But then it also has, like, um, like uh, storybook titles or... Or, like, I, I, think Secret
2: like, society I, names. Yes,
0: all kinds of stuff. And, it, I mean, it, literally, you look at, like, the list of generators, and it's it's just a huge list. So I'll have to find that one, too, because it's really helpful.
2: There are basically a... There's almost an online generator for any type of thing yeah. you could want. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they can help you, f- like, find a specific thing that you're looking for. Or they can just be a great jumping-off point for, yes. like, idea generation. So, Yeah. yeah uh, i am also a fan of random generation. that is
0: one thing that it can be really difficult is just to get like sometimes you just need that spark you need something that's completely random out of nowhere and then it just takes you down this path that's amazing even if you're yes you can use it for like a name like oh and i need an npc out of nowhere here's a name but you can also yeah use it for creation
2: yeah you know on that note Garav and i both have uh some some generation uh tools that we use as well so maybe we should just follow that vein and talk about each of ours. Sure. Do you um, want to go next, Gruff?
1: Sure, yeah. So uh, in the same sense as generators, I have this book that I found called Table Fables, which is a collection of tables for the weary game master. And it is, uh, basically that it is uh, several pages, about 83-ish pages Jeez. of just tables, all sorts. There is characters, there's items, there's areas, there's miscellaneous stuff. And this has... Some of the best uh, tables I've ever seen. They're awesome. They're very good, and they're very, like, uh, evocative of making up stories. Like, once you get one, you'll be like, oh, I can make something totally different out of this than I was planning. And, uh, yeah, one that I was doing, I was using this during my uh, Barovia campaign that I did for saving throw, and uh, I uh, generated at one point a doll that screams anytime (laughs) someone... uh, Curses, mm-hmm. and that was a super fun thing that just came out of nowhere, and also is very fitting for Barovia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but you can either just roll a d hundred for a lot of these tables, or you can um, you can just uh, pick, pick one that you like, yeah. Because there's there's several ones. They have some images too, but uh, it's a very a very solid book, and it's done by Madeline Hale, who also has I, I didn't know this until a couple weeks ago, but she did a sequel to this book called uh, Table Fables Two, which is about world building, which I will. Probably order tomorrow. Because I, yeah, it, I am probably
2: also going to order that, and is, I think I need to get this one too.
1: Yeah, this is such a good book, and it's only ten dollars. It's mm-hmm. ten dollars off of Amazon. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes for a link. But it's such a good book. Um,
2: yeah. pick here, pick a random table, and like pick something at random from it to give okay. us an idea of like what kind of stuff is in there. How about yeah. this?
1: I will pick a table. You give me a number. Okay. Okay. One through a hundred.
2: Okay, so uh, let us know when you have a table. I got one. You want to pick a number, Megan?
1: Yeah. Pick, pick uh, on the higher end. The higher the end? The higher end? Actually, no. No, they're all good. Yeah, pick a, pick a random right number. 27. Okay, 27.
2: So what table is this, first this of all? This
1: is the Magic Items D100
2: mm. table. Magic Items D100 table. Uh,
1: this is just a pair of glasses with tiny black lenses that allow the wearer to clearly see anything invisible. So huh. if you find this, you can tell them that they are glasses, but you don't know what they do yet. Uh, or you can just tell them exactly what they are. It's really up to you how you want to play with these, but huh. that's that's just one simple item that was in there. That's I want to do cool. one. I want to do one it.
2: on that same table. Go for uh, eighty four.
1: Eighty four. Okay, this is a small, rough-looking knife. Any wound caused by this knife heals woolly heals sorry fully within one d four minutes. Huh. So it's a knife. It's, it's a torture te- knife. I guess, yeah. It's a torture knife. It's a a knife
2: to use to torture people and keep them alive. And... Uh, conscious. That is That's a very dark magic item. Very yeah. dark. Uh, yeah. You could also use, wait. So any wound caused by the knife heals fully within one d four minutes. Correct. You could, you could use it to fake your own death. Yeah,
0: you could. Oh well, yeah. But does it? Well, I guess it doesn't say. Could you kill yourself with it? I think so. If the
2: wo- if any wound but, but, heals but, fully, but
0: you could really make that like a whole story of sure. like somebody doing yeah. that, and it's like, well, but did they really come back as themselves? Or right. like,
2: or ooh, or what if there's just like um, like a rich <laughs> thrill killer who's like, oh, I've always wanted to murder people, but this way, I can do it legally because I didn't actually kill them. Yeah. They came back to life.
1: Or <laughs> think about using this for like a theater performance in your game. Oh. Yeah, like they Ooh. would like stage combat. Like it's a, it looks real because it is real, you know. But they drag is. them off the stage and they're fine. Right? Yeah. There's oh. so many cool ideas off that just one thing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I mean, as you can clearly see, <laughs> yeah. and that's just one one number one from of one table. Like one one of that's thousands. really cool. I like this book a it's lot. It's such a yeah, good book. I a... need to pick this one up.
1: It's really good. So that's mine. What was your generator?
2: Uh, so mine, I often have uh. Like, I I really like um, coming up with interesting uh, stories or ideas for a game session, um, but that can be hard. Like, sometimes you yeah. just scrape the bottom of the barrel of your creativity and you feel stuck, and you're like, oh, I feel like I'm just doing the same things over and over again, so I, I want a new idea, or I just can't even get started coming up with an idea because I'm just choice-overwhelmed, I don't know where to start. So I like tools that allow me to... Um, Kind of winnow down my options and try and make some things work into a story and just see where it goes. Um, so I like tarot cards. Mm. Um, As an example of that. So if you can find a deck of tarot cards that has an art style that you really enjoy, which is very easy to do. Because, I mean, there are like piles upon piles of interesting tarot decks. Uh, And they're not that expensive. Yeah. Uh, And you can use them in-game for a lot of cool stuff, too. But what I like to do is basically uh, most tarot decks come with like a little booklet that sort of explains the meaning of each of the cards. And then the art on on a lot of them is just really evocative on its own, along with the names of like the trump cards and some of that stuff. Um, So like if you need an idea maybe for a session or a plot hook or something like try dealing yourself three tarot cards and either looking up uh, the meaning of those cards or just looking at the artwork on the cards if it fits for the style of game that you're trying to play and figure out a path that you can trace between those three elements. Like, how do those things connect? In what way uh, might they work together to create a plot hook? Like, what ideas do those inspire in you and where does that take you? Um, there's a lot of, of really simple tools like that that I enjoy using just to kind of get over that sort of like GM block, that writer's block kind of thing. Uh, Rory's story cubes are another uh, cool one. And uh, they've for those of you who don't know, it's basically a set of dice with just like a sim- simple pictographic symbol on each side. And you roll, like, however many of them together that you want and try and, like, figure out what they create together. Um, there's a bunch of different ways to use them. And now I think they have a bunch of different sets that are, like, specifically themed, like Rory's Space Cubes well, and, like, things like that. And there
0: are also writer's dice.
2: Yes. Yeah. Which you got me for Christmas last I year. I did.
0: Well, actually, what I wanted to get you was literally was for jams. There was an Etsy store that made them literally made right. Oh, cool. They were like writer's dice, but they were for GMs, but they don't make them anymore.
1: Aww. Yeah, I
0: know. I was really disappointed, but that was as close as I could get. I think just what you're talking about, it's really fascinating because uh, the more I learn, the more RPGs I play, the more I GM, the more I see other people GM. It, it is so much like writing in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. So yes. really, I think, like you're saying, Jordan, any tools that write, that, that, might be out there for writers could be very very beneficial for well
2: yeah and uh, i mean i think some people have a tendency to want to stay away from randomized things like that because they're like ah but like how am i going to fit that into the feel of my game um but i think you might be surprised what you come up with like one of the Mm -hmm. most interesting episodes from season three of wild cards uh was the second episode after you guys uh like did the train heist and then were Mm -hmm. trying to make your way back to civilization um and you happen upon that random farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere with the sad family and everything and their creepy baby mm-hmm. um that came about because i used a random adventure generator within the deadlands source books because mm-hmm. uh, i just wanted to see what it was like yeah and i got the the only elements i had was uh the person is uh is a law dog so like a, a marshal or a sheriff or something the um problem is starvation and the reason is love
1: okay so that right. was
2: what i had yeah uh, and i was like okay so I have, a, like, an a, a agent of the law. The problem is starvation, and the reason their starvation is love. And from that, I kind of spun out the story of this family that was, like, basically sacrificing everything they had to keep this baby alive that they had had that turned out to be this monster that just ate everything yeah. all of the time. Yeah. Um. And it ended up being a really cool idea that I was able to weave into the game just from those random elements. So it's kind of cool to... Step outside of your mental comfort zone, right, and see where your brain can take you when you use yep. these like extraneous sparks for ideas.
1: And like, and someone else uh, seeing that law dog, uh, starvation, love—they probably wouldn't have jumped to cannibalism, but you did. They would take it a
2: completely <laughs> different direction. It wasn't cannibalism. Oh well, it was I a mean, monster baby. It was giant monster baby. It was cannibal. a blob baby.
1: Sure, great. Sure,
0: sure. Just saying. Uh huh.
1: Uh, Okay, back to you, Megan, what do you got?
0: Okay, well, next I will talk about, um, uh, so for me, um, I I really like the atmosphere of a game. This is a really big deal to me. And, you know, I've only run games on stream, which is kind of interesting. I've only run games with an audience at this point. But I think even if I ran a game at home, this would be a big deal to me. And I really like to find music and sounds that I can utilize in my game system. And the the biggest thing that I've used is YouTube. There are so many, I'm often looking for royalty free, but there, even within that more narrow of a category, there is so much out there. There are all kinds of sounds. Like for my Mysterium campaign that I ran, I found like bouncy ball, uh, falling down the stairs. I found, um, you know, little girl crying, uh, little girl laughing, creepy laughing, horror sounds, music um, all kinds of stuff. And I also, I guess this is sort of a two for one of my tools. I used audacity. To uh, import those sounds and then I layered them and I you know kind of made them work for my thing so I could find like a, a, a scary like jump sound and I can layer it with music to follow or whatever I wanted and so I could kind of set this tone of like you know the, the Mysterium specifically was sort of a haunted house story so you know my players could be talking and then I could could just play this and you can kind of evoke that feeling there at the table which is such a big deal to me that's it's a really big part of the gameplay for me and I often find sort of like what you You were saying, Jordan, is a lot of ideas pop up just in my searching of sound and music and things that I can use. And then on top of that, there are a lot of um, companies that make background tracks specifically for this, like Plate Mail Games or Sirenscape, things like that. Um, so if
2: you don't have the amount of time and energy that Megan wants to pour into uh, layering her own sound effects <laughs> files, uh, there are people out there that have already done that work for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, sure, if you, it's different. You, you, but it yes. is different. You give up a little bit of your own personal customization um, for a lot less uh, time and effort. Um, that you can find, like, pre-made stuff. And if you haven't used sound in your games, I mean, like, Megan's found, for sure, in the games that she's run, and I've done this too, it really adds a whole other layer of texture. It,
0: it adds another layer, and it keeps your players focused. Mm-hmm. That's one of yeah. the biggest things. I remember there was there was one, I think it was during Mysterium, There's one point at which... Uh, the table was start that one one newer player um, was starting to uh, want to kind of separate the party in in a way it, it it wasn't a positive experience and it was a perfect time for me to have this thing pop out of nowhere and there was a sound effect of like this scream or something like that and everyone was like wait what it it, it completely pulled everybody in and it was a really cool opportunity to utilize sound in that way like it was it was a tool for me as a GM at the table. Uh, to sort of pull my players in in a moment that I felt like was important or it creates tension or it creates mm-hmm. you know you, you set your tone that way I mean among other things and that to me is a really big deal and yeah and also it, it just inspires a lot when I find something like well I have to use that what does that make me think of
1: yeah I think sound is super important in any RPG and I, I even use it before games like when people are coming in yes. eating some pizza just setting the mood from the get go yes. just having it
2: all. that's a seasoned. really really good idea actually Yeah, yeah I, doing I, that I, like I think that. That, that makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. it's kind of like um yeah i mean in there's a lot of similarities sometimes i think to running a home rpg uh game and uh having a theme hosting a theme party yeah you know like so if you have people come in and you're playing halloween music it's very different than coming in and having and you're like i have pop rock on the radio like you know it kind of sets a different mood so that's a cool idea Well, and
0: that's a fairly theatrical approach to games which is how i like to approach them i know same Yes, I think we, uh, m- most of us here do like to approach them a bit yeah. more theatrically. And mm-hmm. I know not everyone does. And that's fine. That's just a different, you know, uh, approach. But, but to me, it really adds a lot. And I agree. I think setting the mood from the beginning is great.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could even go to the next step. Like if you're doing... Uh, I think this works particularly better for a scary game. But if you plan it ahead of time where you're doing like a jump scare like you did in your game... If you could do something to where you hide, like, a Bluetooth speaker, like, under a couch or something. Like, the way
2: they're sitting. Uh, that would be awesome. And so they'd be be like,
1: oh, God, it's actually (laughs) happening around me. Oh, my
2: God, what a great idea. Uh Right? Somebody do that and let us know how it works. (laughs) Hide a Bluetooth speaker somewhere in your gaming area and then surprise your players with a sound effect. Oh, my God, that would be awesome. I'm just going to go to the bathroom.
1: Oh, God, something screamed at me in the bathroom. Uh, Give it a shot. It'll be fun. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, speaking of music, not really related to music, but, uh, I found a tool that, uh, I just kind of thought about when I was browsing Amazon for something else was a music sheet holder to hold uh your like dungeon master's guide or something just off to the side because usually you're at a table room when you're doing a, a a game uh you have your screen a bunch of books probably maybe a laptop but having something off to the side to just holds your book mm-hmm. and also has like uh you can uh, have those little clips that hold the pages open so you can have it to a certain page mm-hmm. and have bookmarks and stuff like it, it saves it gives you a lot of room for other stuff too at the table mm-hmm. and it costs like 15 dollars. it's collapsible you can bring it with you wherever you go um uh, it's a really nice tool.
2: I really show. like that idea, and I'm super surprised that I haven't seen more people using that yeah. now that you've talked about it, because, oh. like, that is such a problem for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. Like, I'm always juggling all of these different books, and, like, I have my notebook with my notes in it that I'm trying to keep, and then I'm, like, trying to flip another book open that I'm holding in my lap, and then it right. falls out of my lap. I'm like, hold on, let me get that. Can, can yeah. you mention
0: that for cons, too? That'd be great yeah, for a convention. Yeah, absolutely. It would be, especially it if it's you?
2: collapsible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, yeah. it folds up into, like, a two-foot uh, little thingy, little bag. Really really good for, like, an adventure module, too, if you're mm-hmm. running, like, a pre, uh, pre-written pre module to, like, just stick that in there so that you can look at that and still have all of the, like, movement and space in front of you that you need. You know need. what? I yeah. gotta be
0: honest. That might be kind of nice for a character sheet. Can you, like, just to have it, like, right here? Oh, sure. Have your character sheet you could. up. And you can make notes and you're like, okay, here I'm playing my game and my character sheet's over here. You yeah. could,
1: yeah. Just have, have like one that. for every person at the table. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly,
0: yeah. And, and then and... you can all sing together afterwards. There you go. Yeah.
2: Uh, I like that idea a lot actually i yeah. think that's a pretty versatile tool right? definitely i'm always looking for things that you can get uh like multiple different uses out of because like yep. you, you only have limited you know funds and yeah. space for storing all these gaming aids yeah. i mean some people probably have sure. infinite funds and infinite space right. but we're not talking about those people yeah. you guys don't need this this uh podcast yeah. episode <laughs> it's
1: possible if you did music in like high school you might already have one sitting in your garage somewhere
2: so yep. just pull it out and use yeah, that break that sucker out yeah
1: yeah Mm
2: -hmm. Um, So it's my turn now, yeah? Mm -hmm. It is your turn. Okay, well, I don't have a cool way to segue between uh, music like you did, so I'm just going to jump to a completely different thing. Um, So one of the problems that I've always had, and I have this problem with music, too. Um, So, like, one thing that's a tricky element for me with music in a game is, like, if I have music or a soundscape for one thing... I'm like, ah, well, then I want to have it for everything. Yeah. And I have kind of that same issue with miniatures. Mm. Like, um, for for me, it's like, okay, it's super easy. Like, your players maybe get their own minis for their uh, characters if you're playing a, a game that uses, like, miniature combat on a grid or whatever. Um, so, great. They've got their miniatures. Maybe they've painted them, or maybe someone in the group has painted them. or um, And then you're like, okay, cool. You're fighting a horde of goblins. Uh, I don't have a horde of goblin miniatures, let alone a horde of painted goblin miniatures. Mm-hmm. So I use pennies, like that's what I use. And I'm like, this feels lame. yeah. Because you guys have these cool miniatures and you're fighting loose change. <laughs> um, so one tool that I have found that I really, really enjoy uh, are flat plastic miniatures from Arknight. Now I think I've talked about these before and I definitely use them on wild cards sometimes. But uh, interestingly, when I ran a Kickstarter for my RPG game, uh, these guys were starting their first Kickstarter at that same time. Oh. And I saw them on Kickstarter, and I was like, oh, that's a cool idea. So like, I you know followed their campaign while I was doing mine, I think we exchanged a few messages. Um, and then I forgot about it until years later when I started doing Saving Throw, and Dom had some of them. And I was like, oh, right, these guys. Yeah. Um, and they actually made some Deadlands-specific uh, flat plastic miniatures, which is what I use. But um, one thing that they have that's really cool... So they have a DM starter set on their website. Um, Now, it is $80, which for a lot of people, I mean, that's a significant chunk of change. But when you think about how much individual um, like three-dimensional miniatures cost, uh, like say like Reaper miniatures or even like Reaper Bones, which are the more uh, cost-effective plastic ones, like they're still, you know, a buck or two a piece. And you got to paint them. Right. And then you have to paint them. Now, these are full color. And uh, for $80, you get 167 pieces, Mm -hmm. um, which is nuts. Now, and these are all different sizes, too. So, like, this particular set uh, is 30 small, 10 wide, 100 medium, which is, like, just a normal PC, uh, like, human being-sized miniature. 15 large and 12 giant pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's designed to be uh, things for when you're playing D&D or Pathfinder, like, it's designed to hit all of the notes that you would need to hit us for low-level adventures. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's everything you need for, like, PCs, monsters, and everything like that. So it's 167 miniatures for $80, yeah. which is really yeah. good. It's well, like 50 cents a mini. Yeah, it's nothing.
0: And, and also they're flat, which makes carrying them yes. so yes. much easier. So
2: you can transport all of these with their um, stands in a very, very small amount of carrying space as opposed to like the three dimension and weight. They weigh almost nothing. Um, and they look really cool at yeah. the table. I was a little bit skeptical of them before I tried them out. Cause I was like, okay, sure. I think they're, it's an interesting idea, but how are they gonna look at the table? Uh, and the thing that they do, um, the artwork on them is very vibrantly colored mm-hmm. uh, and everything else is like this, this clear, pretty high-quality, like, plastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really stop thinking of them as, like, these two-dimensional plastic pieces. Yeah. Uh, and, and, like, all of the artwork is really, really interesting. You should go to their website, which we'll put in the uh, show notes, and check it out. So this uh, DM starter set was actually curated by Sly Flourish, who is a mm-hmm. D&D blogger and creator that I very much am a fan of. Um, they asked him, they basically gave him their whole catalog of flat plastic minis. And they were like, if you were going to make a set for a beginning DM, like, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And he put this together. And I think it's a really, really cool set. So if you want to create, like, if you want to go from zero to about 120, as far as like what you're able to represent physically at the table... Uh, you can't do much better mm-hmm. than flat plastic minis, in my opinion. Um, yeah.
1: and they also sell uh terrain tiles as well. They and do. Huge ones that are double-sided and very cost-effective as well. They very good ones. Yeah. I really
2: like those as well. And they have spell templates
1: yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I was say. Yes. Uh, for
2: different game uh, systems. Which yes. are
0: great. Yeah, we use I use them for my for Rosaline for wild cards. All the right. Time. So we use
2: the Savage World spell templates, yes. but they also have like uh DMD five V spell yeah. templates and, and they come in different designs too, so you can get a sheet of spell templates that are like Arcane effects or like holy effects or things like that. It's pretty neat. It's, yeah. It is neat. Yeah. I like yeah. It. That's some good stuff. I like what they do. Mm hmm
0: okay oh so so another tool that i used um and that i'm still kind of messing around with but it is it's a website called notebook.ai and it is specifically for um gms it's specific specifically for rpgs i guess is how i should say it and it just kind of breaks down you can set up multiple different universes which is kind of cool or campaign settings essentially they call them universes i think. Um, So for me, like I had Mysterium, I had Harry Potter, and then I can go through and create a, you know, here's a character, here's, and it prompts you things like what's their age, Um, you know, who, who, uh, you can also connect them to relationships with other characters, Uh, what's their, you know, what's their name, what's their role, et cetera, et cetera, all those kinds of things. But then, uh, as you log back in, it will ask you, like, what is what is their favorite memory? Or, yeah, what
2: is this character's, um, uh, yeah, like, favorite, yeah. Pos- most treasured possession?
0: Yeah, it just prompts you on some different things like that, that, you know, you may never come, you may never use it. But it's another one of those tools that just gets you thinking. And then you can also set up, you can put in settings, you can put in items, you can put in, um, there's some other things. And there's an area for notes. It's not I will say it's not always the easiest thing to use. It's not the... Well, and I didn't realize this, but there is a paid version and a, and a free version. I've only mm. ever used the free version, so that may be why for me. The paid
2: version unlocks a lot of extra functionality. I haven't played with it, but it, right. like if you really want to get in depth for world building, yeah, um, it can be pretty cool. But
0: it, but it's just cool. It's a good system to get your brain organized. If your brain is like mine and it wants to be organized but has a hard time getting there sometimes, it's just it's just a, it's a helpful tool to kind of help you think of okay what do i need here it is it's kind of broken down for me it's
2: almost like a template for an idea web yeah for, for like your campaign world It'll, it and allows yeah. you to kind of organize and connect everything so that you don't lose track of stuff
0: and actually the person who turned me on to this is dj regular he was the one who oh. first found it posted it in the saving throw show discord and... one of our
1: awesome mods at the mm-hmm. twitch channel yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: um, so speaking of campaign management, uh, another great segue by me is uh, I use uh, OneNote, which is a program made by Microsoft uh, years ago, but has been improved uh, over the years. And it is a free program. I think it also has some paid functionality, but it's only for uh, storage space use, which I've never used. Oh. I've never used like more than like a gig of space. Um, but basically, uh, I found this off a website, uh, which is www.cry rid.com slash dnd or slash digital dnd because currently his website's down because too many people have used this thing currently um but it's really good because this uh person uh went through and made essentially a template that you can download that has all the contents of the srd of DD fifth edition which is free and then you can continue to use that to make your own template and your own campaign stuff which is what i use for my barovia campaign and the great thing about this is that it's set up in a very organized way and the pages are also, uh, themed to be d and So they like have that nice background. That's like, uh, uh, felt or not felt paper, uh, parchment, paper. parchment paper. That's you the
2: one. use this for your home Barovia game too, right? I this do. is what you showed me that one time. Yes, It looked really, really cool. Yeah. It's got a very cool, like, yeah, like you said, kind of thematic vibe to it. Yeah. Like it was neat.
1: And you can like link to other pages. So I would, uh, on my NPC pages or my, uh, my campaign pages. If I had to link to an NPC, you could click on his name and it would take you to his stat box, which has a bunch of information about him. Um, And the other thing is that if you use uh, Spotify for music, which I do a lot, you can actually paste a link from Spotify to it, uh, that actual page. So, whenever I have a scene coming up, I can have a link there, and basically you press play inside of OneNote to play oh, the song off Spotify. That's awesome. Which is super helpful because you can just do it as you go instead of switching programs back and forth. Ooh, yeah. that's um, nice. Yeah, it's really great. Uh, there's a, lots of great stuff. So, you can check it out at that website. We'll put it in the show notes. But uh, yeah, OneNote is something I've been using for the past couple years, and I really like it for campaign management. Huh. Um, that's cool. So, give that a go.
2: It does sound cool. Um... So I think for me, it's kind of fitting to end on this note uh, because we're talking about organizational game aids, and I am firmly, firmly a believer in the endless utility of index cards. I gave you the segue of one note to note cards. No, 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 no. I'm going to talk about utility and organizational stuff. Uh, Index cards or note cards are, um, there's so many things you can do. At the game table with them, uh, the first thing that I saw them used uh, to do that I thought was really interesting was just as an uh, initiative tracker. I think a lot of people do this, but like my first DM in the game that I played in college, um, we all you know wrote our character name on our on our initiative cards, and we would uh, like kind of decorate, decorate them yeah. like with with yeah. our character specific uh-huh. things. Um, and then he would just have cards for the monsters, and as we were calling out initiative order, he would just put the note cards in order. And or actually he outsourced that to someone else at the table. So it was one of the player's jobs to track initiative. Um, So we would put the note cards in order. And then after everyone's turn would would go, we just flip the card over one by one so that we could quickly move through initiative without going like, wait, wait, whose turn is it? Like, um, and I was just like, that's such a good idea. It's so simple and utilitarian. So I would do that um i use note cards for a lot of stuff in my games i find uh just having a stack of note cards behind your gm screen or in your setup or whatever gives you the ability to do a bunch of stuff um when you're playing theater of the mind style games instead of like uh tactical gridded movement Uh, I find it very useful to do zones with index cards, uh, which we've done a couple times on wild cards as well. Uh Um, So like as opposed to, uh, like if you're in a dungeon, if you're like in a big cellar or something, you can write down the zones like by the stairs, um, over by the barrels, um, uh, on the balcony or whatever, and then you put those out and then the players can kind of move between those different zones. And then you set up like, oh, the stairs are across the room from the balcony. So the balcony is long range from the stairs. Love
0: those dungeon balconies.
2: Yeah, I was going to
1: say the cellar that has a balcony.
2: Yeah, it it's a it's great. a fancy nobleman's wine cellar. Mm-hmm. And it has, a, it has a multi-level dungeon. It's like the Slytherin dungeon that apparently just has a bunch of stairs that go up in it, but you still stay in the dungeon. Um, shut up, guys. My dungeons are whatever I want them to be. And this one is fancy. Um, I really like using them for that. Uh, in a pinch, I like uh, scribbling uh, notes to different players and folding them up on an index card and passing it along the table to them. Um, I use them primarily in when I run wildcards to stat out uh, combat NPCs. So any NPC that it's important for me to know a lot of their stuff, I have created my own template that fits on an index card for a Savage Worlds NPC mm-hmm. uh, that's really easy to use. Uh, and I all of my NPCs are on index cards. Mm-hmm. And that is a lot easier for me. I'll, I'll sometimes even translate um, things like from the the bestiary or whatever for, for Deadlands, um, it might be a little bit harder to do for like a DND monster because there's so much more in their stat block mm-hmm. in the monster manual, but rather than bookmark pages that I'm constantly flipping back and forth between when I have like multiple different kinds of creature or bad guy in a fight, I'll just transcribe them onto index cards so I can just flip back and forth between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also uh, I use them to track initiative in different ways. Um, you can you can uh, create little like table tents at a table like especially at a con game if you want to be able to remember everyone's player's character name uh, you can just have them write uh, a double-sided thing and then kind of tent it in front of themselves so everyone at the table can see at a glance like what their name is and what their character's Mm -hmm. name is there is endless utility for uh, index cards like I I think every GM in their uh, traveling GM case or whatever you have you should at least have a stack of note cards because there's there's endless uses for them. Do mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you have a favorite brand of
1: note card? I do not play? have a favorite brand. Uh-huh. Just I, I have
2: not I have not dived that deep into the realm of index card usage.
1: Uh, colored or plain?
2: I like plain. Okay. Uh, colored would be great if I was trying to organize several different things, mm-hmm. but plain I find has uh, more limitless functionality, and that's what I'm always looking for sure. is adaptability mm-hmm. in tools. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I always get whatever's cheapest <laughs> Yeah, because then I can get a, a lot idea. of them. Like I'm still using a pack of index cards that I bought years ago. Nice. Um, but yeah, that's, that is absolutely probably my favorite tool to use at the table are index cards. Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. Well, that is a set of uh, tools from each each of us. Those are yeah. our suggestions. Yeah.
2: But if you guys have anything like super cool that you use that we didn't yes. touch on, please tell us. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, share us. it with us, and then by by extension, share it with everyone else who's following us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, just tweet us at at exp pointers pod. Yep. Uh, and uh, and yeah, share with us what what is your most valuable tool. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. would love to hear from you.
1: Mm-hmm. Speaking of value, I think it's time for The,
2: the question, question of the Sode! Cool. Alright. Um, so, our today's Question of the Sode uh, comes from the RPG subreddit, and it is from user Darkfrost1802. And the question is, does anyone have tips for running games inside of games? And there, they go on to say, when I'm running a game, sometimes the players will get into a situation where their characters would be gambling or playing some sort of board game. Whenever this happens, I try to actually, in real life, play a game of whatever they're doing with them, and this normally works fine. In my new setting, however, I'm planning on creating fictional board games made for the setting. I have no clue how I would be uh, how I would be able to set up these board games in a way that we could actually play them. I'm just wondering if anyone has experience with this.
0: Yeah, well, whenever we were trying to pick the question of the Sode, we kind of went back and forth on this question a little bit, because... Um, I was trying to figure out and 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 you didn't necessarily read the whole description to us before, but I was trying to figure out you know if they meant like inception style, like we're gonna play d and d inside d and d or or yeah, what it was and and uh, but but then as we be- we kept talking about it, we were kind of like okay there there's a lot to talk about, here.
2: yeah, there is, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and this kind of goes back to some things that we touched on before when we talked about like puzzles and riddles and RPGs, Mm -hmm. but like, so I know some DMs or GMs, depending on the game they're running, that's a sticking point for me, um, who, when they have their players, their their PCs are playing a game inside of a game, they will actually set out that game and have everyone at the table play that game, Mm -hmm. which I think... Can be an interesting idea, but then you made a good point uh, about that, Gaurav. I did? You did. What did I say? Well, what you said was, uh, these guys have set aside their time to come and play D&D, yeah. so you don't want to div- like divert a big chunk of that time to playing a separate game yes. instead of D&D. Yes,
1: I've been in that situation where um, we'd be uh, playing D&D and suddenly our DM pulls out this like almost miniatures combat base management game and i'm like this isn't interesting to any of us and you could tell we were all just bored at the table because it was a bunch of combat with soldiers that like we didn't really care about we wanted to play our characters instead of these weird generals that they were we were commanding or whatever and it just it got weird and it never stuck with any of us and it just felt like a big waste of time
0: yeah i kind of feel like in that instance too it's about knowing your table and knowing like like if everyone was like we all really like this one board sure and you throw that in and you incorporate that into your game then they might be like this is the coolest thing ever But, but, yeah, definitely i I I, th- I agree for the most part, if I'm there to play d and d or an RPG, I want to play the RPG. yeah, and or if I'm playing a game within a game, I really want it to be meaningful mm-hmm. and not feel like we're taking a break to play this yeah. other game.
2: So we want it, I think what we're striking on, if you're going to play a game within a game, you want it to move relatively quickly. You yes. don't want to devote a bulk of the session to playing this separate game apart from the role playing game that you're playing. Mm-hmm. Unless that's what the session's about, but right. still you want it to be within the role-playing game. Well,
0: and the, and that's something that I sort of said. There's the difference. So so when you're creating a character or, or when I've created characters, I will often create characters that I, I create a character maybe that is really good at talking fast. It's not really skill I think I have, but I want to be able to play my characters if they can. So some of that comes out in the roles and their stats, right? So maybe like in the case of gambling, If I am playing a character as a really good gambler, but me, Megan, I don't know anything about poker or gambling, but I still want my character to be able to play it. So if we just sit down and play poker and I'm basing it on just my knowledge, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to feel very great for my character because my knowledge is probably not going to translate to what I expect my character's knowledge to be. So if you can somehow encompass uh, poker into the game system to where I can utilize my stats that are built for gambling or whatever it may be, then... I feel like my character is playing it as opposed to me playing it.
2: Right. And that's another thing about, like, just setting out a board game is, like, that's cool and it can be interesting, but then it's your players at the table who are right. playing the game, not their characters. Right. And you, if it's going to be a game within a game, you want it to feel like their characters are playing the game. Yeah. But you have that to contend with. Your players may be less intelligent than their character, or less strong than their character, or less dexterous than their character. So you don't want everything to rest on what your players can do you want it to rest on what their characters can do at the same time you don't want it to be so simple that it's like just make opposed dexterity checks and whoever wins wins the game that doesn't feel good either that's just like okay cool i guess i lost this intricate game of dexterity because i rolled a 15 and they rolled a 16. Mm -hmm. like that doesn't feel good so how do you find like a happy medium Mm -hmm. and i think it's about trying to figure out um basically uh how you can use your character or the the pc's abilities to influence the type of game that they're playing. Mm -hmm. So like Savage War, uh, Deadlands, Deadlands Reloaded does this really well um, with gambling. They have a a, a mechanic that is essentially playing Texas Texas hold'em poker, but it's modified by how good your character is at gambling. So everyone who's playing makes a gambling role, And the higher you roll, the better you naturally are at gambling, the more cards you are dealt initially, so that you have a much higher likelihood of being able to make a better hand. Mm -hmm. You can also choose to cheat to get a bonus to your roll that is really helpful, but if anybody notices you doing that, then um, you get into trouble and maybe jump into a combat from there. So it's sort of a hybridization of everyone at the table playing poker, but it's modified by how good their characters are at poker, and the way they do that is they give you more options to make a hand. Which is, I think, a pretty elegant way of oh, making yeah. that feel like, I'm a better gambler, so that's why well, I win more. It's the
0: same even for my character, for a Huckster. It's the same. The, to, to gain magic, you play essentially play poker with a demon. Mm-hmm. But the better Huckster you are, the better, the more experience you have, the more cards you get to pick from. Yeah. Which yes. is really cool.
1: Yeah. So. I think involving the mechanics into the narrative is a really strong way to connect those two systems. And a really fun one that I just thought of is that if you're doing some sort of game where... Um, Let's say you're in like a market and a thief steals a very important item and only one, of, one or a couple of your members of your party saw them. And to describe this person, you use like a check of like their uh, probably perception or investigation. And depending on how well they do, they get a bonus to playing essentially the board game Guess Who? Mm. And uh describing the character. So a few of those pegs get knocked out and then they just play guess who to see if they can narrow it down even further. And if they don't, they don't they don't they have a few other options to figure out who it is, but they could figure out who it is. Um, that's,
2: so, a, that's a cool idea. Yeah. I, like, I like the idea, yeah, of being able, so utilize a pre-existing board game. It's sort of mm-hmm.
0: almost more like a tool than... Yeah, yeah use it then, as a
2: gaming tool, right. um, but allow, give your characters advantages or bonuses or edges based mm-hmm. on uh, the abilities they have and the things they're able to roll for or think of to do creatively as their characters. Yeah. I was just thinking of how you might translate something like air hockey Uh, to an RPG, and, you know, I always am going to use Savage Worlds as a baseline, because that's the one I'm most familiar with currently. But, like, I would give, like, two players who are playing air hockey against each other the ability to make different checks to attempt different maneuvers in air hockey, like a strength maneuver. I might give them, uh, like, uh, a bonus for doing that, but it's going to give them a penalty on the next round, because they've just done this, like, full-out, like, I'm just going to slam it at them, um, and maybe it, you know, makes things go unpredictably. Like, I don't know. I would have to sit down and figure that out. Sure. But I always want to find a way to tie it into what the players are doing. You actually did something like this in your Harry Potter game that you just ran for our Alzheimer's marathon, Megan. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Well, and you helped me come up with this, but, but basically I wanted to do a chase scene or chase scenario in a library that. It was essentially a maze so every door you went through could would in you would end up in a different room basically and i wanted it to be something that would be high stakes it wouldn't take forever and the idea was that both the chasers and the chasee e didn't know the maze so they were just kind of picking things at random hoping that they would end up in the same place eventually or, or the, the people chasing would end up in the same place as the bad guy they were chasing so um uh the idea was to take a seven by seven grid of note cards uh,
2: what did you use for those? No cards. Yeah. Like index cards.
0: Hey, look at that. Right? And uh, and this was also in the Savage World system. But but the idea was that the players had four rounds to try and guess. And one of the cards underneath it was the person they were trying to find. Um, so it would go, everyone would get a chance. You'd go in a round, just sort of like combat. And they could either just pick a card to see if that's the right card. Or they could make a smarts roll at a minus two. So just a stat roll, basically, at a minus two. Uh, And for every success, and then in Savage Worlds, you can get raises. So that's four over whatever number you needed to hit. So for every success and raise they got, I would remove that many cards based upon... Uh, and, and I knew, you know, which card was right. So I would remove ones that it was not. And then they could pick a card. But if they failed their smart roll, they couldn't pick anything. So they basically wasted that turn. So they had four rounds to be able to do that. Um, and it was it was great because it was high intensity. Because, uh, you know, it was like, okay, we, we have to figure this out. We have to find this character. And the cards are going. And we haven't found him yet. And also I had some negative things that could happen, which you guys didn't actually come upon. Yeah, but.
2: but I thought that was really You put in some cards that, like, had we picked those, something bad would have happened. You would have
0: had a negative two your smarts, um, an additional negative to your smarts roll in the next roll if yeah. you chose to do it, yeah.
2: Uh, and it became this kind of cool, high-tension risk versus reward thing, where we were essentially playing, uh, like, uh, a simplified version of the memory card right, game, yeah. almost. But it felt really cool. Like, it was... It, it blended and, into the game really well.
0: And, you know, that could have... You guys could have picked that card immediately, which we, sure. which uh, there was a built-in contingency of, like, okay, now you've narrowed it down. Now here's a smaller grid or whatever. You could throw that in there. But mm-hmm. it, it did work well, because they, they, they needed those four rounds. And the, I think you got it in the fourth round. It was, like, the second... And and by
2: the fourth round, we were kind of like, oh man, should we just pick (laughs) cards or should we risk the smarts roll and risk not being able to pick? We were like, oh, what do we do? Right. It was cool. That's cool.
0: Yeah. I really, really enjoyed the way that that played out.
2: So I think definitely trying to find a way to blend table elements with gameplay elements, uh, Mm -hmm. I think is the best way to do game within a game style stuff. You want it to feel like it can be cool and novel with the things that are at the table, but you still want it to feel like the characters are playing the game, not the players. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so
1: I think that's the show, everybody. Yeah! Yeah, yeah
2: absolutely. Yeah,
1: solid show. Yeah. Um,
2: great job, everybody. Let's all give ourselves a round of applause. Okay. Golf clap. Okay. Not so close to the mic. Golf claps. Nice. Great job, us.
1: We did it. Good. We, we did, did it. it. Good show. Okay, everybody. So, until so. next time.
0: Let's good.
2: go!
0: This podcast has been a Saving Throw production. You can connect with us on Twitter at EXPPointersPod, and you can follow each of the hosts on Twitter at their respective handles. Jordan is at Jordan Callerman, Megan is at Megan Caves, and Gaurav is at Double GXG. You can also watch us streaming RPGs and more at the Saving Throw Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash savingthrowshow. If you want to listen to new episodes of this podcast early, consider becoming a Saving Throw Patreon backer. Patrons at the $10 and up level can listen to new episodes a week early. You can also help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you found it to get the word out. Thanks for listening.